Hello, I'm Gavin Givanoni, neurologist at Bartson London School of Medicine, and I'm talking today in this MSLV podcast on the issue of multiple sclerosis and seizures. And I'm doing it in response to a uh, direct uh, message I got on Twitter, believe it or not. I shouldn't call it Twitter, now X, um, asking me whether or not MS causes seizures and what to do about it. Um, the particular individual said she'd had MS for a year after which she developed uh, uh, recurrent seizures. <clears throat> so the, a seizure is just a one-off episode where you have a, a brain attack in the sense that your brain discharges uh, uncontrolled electrical activity. And depending where it is in the brain, you have different manifestations. And I'll go into it a little bit later. Um, not everybody who has a seizure will go on to have recurrent seizures, uh, which is epilepsy. And epilepsy, by definition, is unprovoked recurrent seizures. And this is relatively common in MS. And the reason why it's common is because, as you know, MS is not only a white matter disease. It also affects the so-called gray matter or the surface of the brain, the cortex. And this is where we think epilepsy is generated from. And uh, we know that People who have seizures um, often have lesions in the grey matter that can uh, be attributed that you can attribute the seizure to. Um, the idea that MS is not just a white matter disease is not new. Uh, you know, previously we were dictated to by what we saw with the naked eye, but when you look under the microscope, MS is a whole brain or whole brain and spinal cord disease with lesions occurring in both the white and grey matter, and not only the surface grey matter but also the deep gray matter of the brain, which we call the thalamus and the basal ganglia. Um, <clears throat> and I put up a study, which is a meta-analysis of the literature, showing that in cross-sectional analysis, about 4.6%, maybe 1 in 20 people with multiple sclerosis has seizures. Uh, and that is, again, in those studies, it's strongly associated with lesions that abut on the gray matter, the so-called subcortical lesions. And we know that these subcortical lesions extend into the gray matter because when you use new MRI techniques or look at them under the microscope at post-mortem, those lesions extend into the gray matter. Now, the incidence of epilepsy, I think the lifetime incidence or prevalence uh, of epilepsy in people with multiple sclerosis is much higher than 4.6%. In my experience, it's more like 10%. And the reason is a lot of the people in those studies are early on in the course of disease. And with time, you're more likely to develop seizures and epilepsy. So as you get more advanced or into the so-called progressive phase of the disease, you're more likely to have seizures. Um, <clears throat> so although that cross-sectional study says 4.6%, the lifetime prevalence of epilepsy is probably a region of 10%. Now, one of the things that's really important that if you have MS and then you go on to develop a seizure, you must appreciate that it mustn't just be assumed that your, your seizures or epilepsy is due to MS. You need to be reinvestigated with MRI scans, EEGs, which measures electrical activity of the brain, and even lumbar punctures, because there are other reasons for having seizures outside of MS. And I have a large collection, and I say a large collection, um, you know, tens of patients who have other causes for seizures. For example, comorbid brain tumors. I've seen, I've got patients with meningiomas, gliomas, central nervous system lymphomas, or even metastases from tumors outside the brain, <laughs> outside the nervous system, causing seizures. Um, I've also had people, particularly on immunosuppressive therapy, where they develop an opportunistic infection or an infection that causes the seizures, like herpes encephalitis 
or even PML, progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy, that is common on people on Tysabri, on adalizumab, but also occurs in other, other immunosuppressive therapies. So you mustn't just knee-jerk response. Um, I've also had a lot of patients with alcohol or alcohol withdrawal seizures. We have, we've had people taking proconvulsant medication. Uh, this is not unusual on fampridine, a drug used to improve walking speed in MS patients that can cause seizures. So there are lots of reasons why people uh, with MS can have uh, uh, seizures. Another thing that's important to measure, uh, point out is that a seizure can be the first manifestation of the disease. In other words, you present with a seizure and then you go through an investigation and you found to have lesions that are compatible with demyelination and you've shown to have MS. And so... A, uh, I've actually had a few patients refer to me with RIS, radiologically isolated syndrome, um, and they present with a seizure. I don't think those patients are at risk. I treat the seizure as the manifestation of the disease, and and they, you know, uh, so those patients, in my definition of radiologically isolated syndrome, uh, have a manifestation. The seizure is the first manifestation of the disease, and that tells us something that if you do have recent onset seizures, it could be a new lesion, okay, occurring in the cortex or on the subcortical boundary between the white matter and the gray matter and that's actually a manifestation of new disease activity in other words a relapse and that's particularly you can make a particularly strong argument for that if your seizure is associated with a new lesion or raised neurofilament levels to suggest inflammatory activity so it's also a measure of uh, maybe the need to uh, you know, switch therapies or escalate treatment if you're on a, a lower tier therapy for example so we can't just assume uh, seizures or epi- the development of epilepsy is just another th- another manifestation of MS and nothing to be done about it. Things have to be done about it. Now, obviously, people with multiple sclerosis tend to have what I call secondary generalized epilepsy. They start off with an aura. A, a seizure starts focally in the brain and it causes a particular symptom before it spreads to the rest of the brain and causing a generalized seizure. And the focal seizures can be simple. In other words, sensory sensory or jerking of a limb before they spread to the rest of the brain, causing loss of consciousness. They can even be complex partial if they occur in, say, the frontal or the uh, temporal lobe of the brain. They often, can, you know, focal seizures can cause alteration of consciousness, for example. And we tend to classify generalized seizures as absence seizures when there's usually lip-smacking automatisms, automatic behaviors with loss of consciousness. Uh, or we have ones with motor manifestations, and those tend to be uh, tonic, where the whole body stiffens, or you get tonic-clonic, where the body stiffens and then goes into the jerky phase. And sometimes you miss out on the tonic phase, and you just have clonic seizures. And a very rare seizure type is atonic, where the whole body just loses its tone and people crumple like a rag doll. That's not common in MS patients, to be honest. Uh, and those types of seizures that can be very dangerous because they are, those are the ones that are associated with uh, falls, and head injuries, for example. Um, in my experience, you know, seizures and epilepsy in MS patients respond very well to you know, our typical anticonvulsant drugs, and we tend to use drugs that work very well with secondary generalized epilepsy. So the drug that everybody goes to right now is a drug called levetiracetam, but people also respond to sodium channel blockers like lamotrigine, carbamazepine, oxcarbazepine, that's the class. I don't want to go into too much detail because uh, about the anticonvulsants, but uh, there's nothing special about con- uh, uh, epilepsy in MS patients in terms of the management of the disease. Now, the problem we have, though, is most anticonvulsants are quite sedating, and 
they can make cognition and, and some symptoms worse. Uh, and people with MS actually tolerate anticonvulsants quite poorly, particularly where they've got more advanced disease. So sometimes we are limited by dose, for example. You can't go up too high. Um, and they also interfere with other medications. So anticonvulsants are known to interfere. The newer generation ones tend to be better in terms of that. But just for example, you know, certain drugs induce the liver enzymes and they cause the oral contraceptive pill, for example, to be metabolized or broken down very rapidly. And if that occurs, you know, you know, people who are on the pill, for example, may need to go on to a double dose or a high dose pill uh, to make sure that they are co covered from a contraceptive perspective. Um, um, I think the biggest problem, uh, well, maybe not a problem. If you have one seizure and you've got MS, you tend to get put on anticonvulsants. And in general, we try not to treat people okay, uh, with anticonvulsants unless they have recurrent seizures. So it's very important to try and work out if the first seizure that somebody presents with is a provoked or unprovoked seizure. Provoked seizure means there's a precipitating factor like um, like alcohol, for example, or well, uh, dehydration or, starva or low glucose, for example, from starvation or not eating properly. Because... You know, if you have provoked seizures and you avoid the provoking factor, uh, then you won't have recurrent seizures. But in general, we treat seizures in people they may say as potentially recurrent, and we usually put them on anticonvulsants after the first seizure. And you're going to get a different opinion here. You know, some neurologists will wait for the second seizure. Others will put you on anticonvulsants after the first seizure to prevent recurrent seizures. Because seizures can be quite terrifying. And they cause a lot of anxiety and they're very stigmatizing. So this is one of the reasons why the the typical neurologist tends to err on starting treatment rather than waiting for the second seizure. Um, and I don't want to depress you, but seizures and epilepsy are just part of the burden of having MS. It's part of the damage that it causes to, you know, the MS causes damage to the cortex and that causes the seizures because the seizures arise in the gray matter in the neurons that's, that reside in the gray matter. And so I suppose if you have early MS and you haven't had any seizures, well, if we prevent you developing new lesions by treating your disease effectively with uh, anti, uh, you know, disease-modifying therapies, we could prevent you from developing epilepsy. So I suppose the whole concept of seizures and epilepsy in MS is another reason to treat this disease more effectively early on to prevent that. I think it's also important that there is general safety advice for people with epilepsy. So you need to stick to your medication. One of the most dangerous things you can do is win anticonvulsants or stop taking them suddenly because that can cause uh, seizures and actually status epilepticus where you have recurrent seizures that can be life-threatening. Obviously, uh, life adjustments need to be made. So if you know that there are provoking factors like sleep deprivation, uh, hunger, uh, alcohol, um, you may have stimulus sensitive epilepsy where certain stimuli like flashing lights, uh, for example, trigger uh, epilepsy. You've got to avoid those. Some people find stress triggers epilepsy or seizures. So you have to avoid stressful situations. Easier said than done, but the big ones are, are, are sleep deprivation and hunger. Obviously, safety at home is important, so you have to go around your house and make it safe. In other words, make it well lit, keep walkways clear of clutter, and if you disable, have handrails, if you do develop an aura, you can get yourself onto the ground as quickly as possible 
to prevent yourself falling and hurting yourself. Obviously, bathroom safety is important. Uh, we always try and tell our patients not to bath alone. And if they are going to uh, have seizures regularly, they should probably shower uh, rather than bath. Also, if you're going to run a bath, don't use the hot water first because you can fall in and burn yourself. So run the cold water first or preferably get a thermostatic mixer that runs in bath with the water at a, at, a, at, a, at a tepid temperature from the beginning. And you can get these thermostatic mixing valves that do it for you automatically. Obviously, swimming alone is dangerous. So you should always swim with somebody uh, and avoid deep water, open areas where if you did have a seizure, you don't drown. Uh, similarly, in the kitchen, you know, just be careful when cooking. Um, use oven mitts. You know, avoid cooking with open flames, uh, and you know, try and use kitchen appliances with an automatic shut-off feature. Um, um, obviously, you have to have a balance here. You know, you can't stop living, but just be, you know, sensible about the kinds of things you put in place. Driving restrictions are really important. So any everybody with multiple sclerosis, at least if you live in the UK, you need to have it reported to the DVLA. But if you have a seizure, you also have to have it reported to the DVLA. And your driving license is typically suspended for unprovoked seizures until you've been seizure-free for a 12-month period on anticonvulsants. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, you should probably inform friends, family, colleagues that you have seizures uh, and potentially provide them with one little booklets or leaflets what to do. Uh, it's basic first aid principles that if you do have a seizure, what can be done. Um, and so this is, you know, really educating people around you and also carry an identification card around with you. And so if you do have a seizure and you confuse post after the seizure, we call a post-ictal state, uh, people can find your medical details, contact your next of kin or whatever. Uh, you know, in the UK, we have these medical alert bracelets or necklace tags. I know some people don't like them because it's telling the world that you've got uh, a disease, MS, uh, and you have a complication of seizures. But sometimes it's better to have that than not to have that in case you have a seizure, for example, in a public space with when you're alone and nobody knows what to do with you. And it may avoid you having to go to hospital, for example. Anyway, I'd be very interested to know um, how many of you have had seizures, uh, either to, as a presenting symptom of MS or developed later on, uh, and how your experience been in terms of the investigation and the management of the seizures. Just share your experiences with the community. And then, I, uh, you know, leave some comments. I'll try and answer them. And I also want to nudge you again about subscribing. I've had to uh, put back in the paywall, and I've done it just for the Q&A session. I've actually decided to launch a weekly Q&A newsletter where people ask questions that aren't related to the uh, current or aren't related to particular MS Selfie newsletter or podcast. And then I will, you know, so my motivation for that is I'm actually providing an opinion around a specific question. And if somebody wants uh, uh, that off target, off topic, then I think, you know, it's... Um, it's a nudge for them to become a paying subscriber or at least contribute uh, at least a month or two of subscriptions to get that answer. Um, you know, I'm reliant on subscribers and the income I make from the subscriptions to pay for the uh, microsite and to support the medical writer and, and website design and maintenance of the uh, of the initiative. Anyway, um, in, um, I, I know this is not a particular exciting newsletter because it's talking about a complication of having MS. 
but this whole thing is about uh, self-management and knowing about multiple sclerosis. So I think this is an important topic for people, MS, to know about.